Welcome everyone to On Podcast, on Microsoft Podcast, where we talk about Microsoft stuff on a podcast. I'm your host today, Kareem Anderson, and I'm joined by David Allen, the fun one. How's everybody doing today? Uh, hopefully they're good, uh, and hopefully it stays that way, because we got a, a list of some fun topics, uh, nothing too depressing, uh, so we're going to keep it lighthearted. Uh, we are also going to inform you guys uh, through our list of things to talk about, about the new Teams 2.0. I know some of you may not have it just yet. Uh, it's being tested. We are some of the guinea pigs, so we'll let you know our thoughts uh, on that and kind of walk through some of these new features. Uh, we'll also be talking about uh activision ceo uh what is his name um da, 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 mm. kodic bobby kodic yeah uh who's speaking out against sony i suppose finally uh someone has to microsoft's been pretty polite about it uh we're also be talking about how google's unhappy about with microsoft in the eu and uh because of google cloud and some changes microsoft made to kind of I don't know, kind of bully them a little bit, so to speak. Uh, we'll be talking about Microsoft working on Windows 12 and its core PC uh, theory uh, thesis. You know, they've been running for this core OS idea for some time. Uh, we'll also be talking about Excel and all of the features that came uh, to that platform uh, this month, in case you are have been keeping up on all those. We'll fill you in. Uh, we'll also be talking about um, Bing Chat uh and kind of microsoft raising the day limit on that you know kind of getting back to where they were before and maybe exceeding it at some point with a little bit of confidence behind them lastly uh i mean we'll also be talking about e3 maybe we'll like talk about that first because that is a bit depressing if you're a huge fan of the uh, gaming conference with all that being said yeah let's jump into our opening discussion which is drumroll the new teams 2.0 uh, which we are currently recording this podcast on. Uh, so if you uh, ever wanted to see a live demonstration of dog fooding, you are watching it. Uh, Microsoft released. It. Exactly. Microsoft released its 2.0 update uh, earlier this week. Uh, and for those of you who are in enterprise and maybe are forced to use it, or those of you who are fans like ourselves and enjoy using it, here's some of the new things to kind of keep an eye out for. Microsoft revamped and overhauled teams to optimize, quote, to optimize the data, network, chat, and video architecture of speed and performance. The company has also indicated that uh, this doesn't mark the end of an attempt to make the app even faster. So uh, the biggest thing that uh, you'll probably want to notice, uh, you'll see up front, is uh, the speed at which Teams operates, especially for the dedicated uh, OS app. Uh, how are you feeling about the speed so far? A night and day difference. I've got it on three different machines here, a couple of our um, review units and one of my personal machines. And I've actually um, done some side-by-side comparisons. And I want to say it's a almost a two-to-one. I mean, you can, you can quickly see that the new teams, even though I'm sure there's some debug code running in the background for Microsoft to get some reports out of us maybe, uh, but the new teams is quite a bit quicker for me. Yeah, uh, for me as well. Uh, But don't just take our word for it because we are fans. Uh, According to GigaOhms, uh, which is the website you can go to with a bunch of other uh, writers and authors and researchers on there, uh, their findings uh, using a research firm commissioned by Microsoft. So take that with a bit of grain of salt. Uh, They are tracking the new Teams app's performance both in app launch and in meetings already twice as fast, and the memory consumption has decreased by half. These are always great numbers, you know. The speed of opening up something and the the actions that you, when you're using it are being going up and down, uh, and they're both going in the right directions. Uh, so that's a good thing. Um, and as like we said, we attested the speed. Uh, Microsoft Loop has also made an appearance in Teams. Now, uh, both 
Uh, both, I think, uh, we talked about Loop a little bit last week. Uh, we're currently using it, uh, testing it out as well, for, again, for people who would have uh, a chance to get to it. Uh, but they were combining the two. Uh, it's one of Loop's sort of biggest downfalls is that it came out with the name Loop. Microsoft's talked about its Loop components, being able to kind of take from apps and, and put things into one spot, but it hasn't actually done a very good job of that, at least not in the first week. Uh, but it's made an appearance to Teams. I haven't actually quite used it in Teams yet, so uh, I was going to defer to you. Have you used anything Loop-ish in Teams? Not yet. I have just kind of used it here for our podcast notes like you were talking about. I, I do like it for this purpose if you're coordinating a you know team or your organization to keep track of notes and presentations and whatnot I, I think it's good for that but I have not used any of the integrations or loop components as of yet I'm I need to sit down and tinker with those a little bit all right well according to Microsoft you should be able to uh put in some Excel charts and tables, uh, notes from OneNote, uh, and a list of other things from uh, Office 365. I'm not sure how Word works into this, but I'm sure you can do something with Word and probably with PowerPoint. So uh, for those of you uh, listening or those of you maybe in our comment sections, let us know if you have access to both uh, things and if you've created some uh, loops in Teams and how it's performing. Uh, another thing that uh, you'll probably notice is, uh, and this is, again, more of an aesthetic thing because it, for the most part, Teams still looks roughly the same. Uh, um, similar to Facebook, the Teams uh, 2.0 has adopted uh, color theming and group chats, uh, profile pictures, and profile pictures to help team members create a more personal space within Teams as well as draw a sense of community. So uh, if you've ever used Facebook Messenger, you know that you can create uh, your own little like siloed conversations with friends uh, who also have access to Facebook. Uh, and then in within that, you can also assign theming options. So if you want your messages to all be purple and everyone in the group sees purple, you can do that. If you want to create a custom a thumbnail for the group uh, to identify like, hey, this is our group of comic nerds or our group of gaming fans or our group of uh, coders or whatnot, you can also do that. So it seems like you can also do the same in Teams. So if you're in a discussion maybe with your boss and you want to mark everything he says is red, it's kind of an alert. Or if you're in there with a design team, you know, mark everything as purple just to make a visual identifier which chat you're in. Because another feature that came was uh, the ability to easily pop out conversations. I think you can do in the old Teams. This one just makes it a little easier, especially when you had a notification from uh, someone in a specific chat. So have you done any theming yet? I've not done any theming yet, and, and I, I will throw this out there, and you guys can laugh at me. I'm that guy that when I buy a laptop or get a machine, five years later, the same background is there that was the day I bought it. I'm not one to personalize the look and feel of an app necessarily. I can, I'm kind of old school. I believe if you leave it default in as many ways as possible, maybe the more stable it is, Sorry, you know, maybe I'm old, maybe I'm too old school, but I haven't really done any theming or anything like that. How about you? Uh, I have done some theming, uh, and like I said, it works just like Messenger. So for those of you who have used the platform or any other messaging app that allows you to do some customizations as far as the color of the text, uh, it's very similar. Uh, uh, you are not alone. I have seen countless people where I have scratched my head looking at their phone. You know, they have an i uh, an iPhone 14 or whatever, and I'm like that's the default wallpaper. Why haven't you changed that? Like put a picture of your kid up or put a picture of something. Now, that I, that but, I do. 
I'll, I'll do that. Okay. I will customize my, you know, but I, I'm weird like that. If it's my niece or my nephews or somebody in my family, I will put the background up there, but that's it. You know, I, I, okay. I don't tinker with anything else. I'm just saying, you're not alone. There are tons of people, even if you go in an office, you know, they'll have the uh, Windows, uh, that hologram from Windows 10 still on there. So uh, uh -huh. it is not an anomaly, but it is depressing for someone who likes to play around with things like myself. Um, with that being said, uh, Microsoft team also, and these are, we're going to get, we're going to bounce back and forth between features and some of the mentality behind the features because they released a, uh, uh, like a, an a joint, uh post explaining why they've made some of these changes and one of the things that, that they are admitting in the new teams 2.0 is that in order to achieve part of the speed per perception uh i mean some of it's actually there but some of it is actually just based on leveraging animations to reduce the perceived load time so for those of us who were saying like oh it feels faster they've actually kind of manipulated the the visuals use more animations to make everything seem like it's moving and moving faster and this is something microsoft at least with Windows, has had an issue with. I think this is something that Apple excels with as far as the smoothness of their OSs for iOS and for um, uh, Mac OS is that they use animations where Microsoft goes from one animation to the flat next animation. And if it doesn't have an animation, it just seems like it stalls. So you're sitting looking at a window until something flashes right in front of your eyes, the same thing. Uh, whereas in, you know, like we mentioned, other OSs, they will have an animation of transition which makes it, again, makes the operation, operate, operating system or whatever is being manipulated seem smoother and taking less time. So you'll notice that the animations in Teams are uh, smoother, but they're also just taking a little bit longer in order to make things look like they're actually faster. It sounds counterintuitive, but it works. Have you noticed any of that? I have noticed a little bit of that. Something I will throw out there. I, um, You know, not everybody has top-of-the-line machines that's using Teams. There are some folks out there on 4 gigs of RAM, bless their hearts. But, you know, there are some folks, you know, a standard $500 machine might be 8 gig of RAM. And I do happen to have an older machine around that is a Core i5 on 8 gigs of RAM. It's nothing special, just kind of the average, everyday PC. And that's where I see the biggest difference is really that machine in particular. I mean, the quote, quote, unquote, old teams runs like a dog on that machine. I'm going to call it what it is. But the um, the new the new teams, the animations are a little quicker. You can kind of tell, like you're talking about, Kareem, that, you know, they're using animations to kind of give us the perception of things speeding up a little bit. But overall... You know, when we're working in our team atmosphere and we've got the planner open and we're chatting and we've got our channels going, there's a big difference in the uh, new teams versus the old, especially on a machine with little less specs than what might be desirable. Uh, yeah, and here are some actual, beyond it, uh, here are some things, and beyond the uh, speed, that people will find very useful uh, is that if you're using Teams, you have multiple tenants uh, and accounts. The new Teams app uh, will help uh, you manage them a little bit better by promoting some flexibility as far as jumping in and out. Uh, we know that they've been a bit restrictive as far as signing in and signing out completely from the app if you wanted to switch. You no longer need to do that. Uh, you'll be able to switch just like you would any other app that allows you to have multiple accounts, like an Instagram app or something like that. You'll be able to load up multiple accounts. So that's been a blessing. Uh, for those of you who either have a work or personal or 
personal and business or you know any version of multiple accounts. So that's nice. Uh, like you said, you don't need to sign out of the app completely. So you can just leave it open running in the background. Uh, the other thing is uh, going a little bit back to the visuals. They de they've said they've de-emphasized the purpleness of it. Uh, so your big uh, Barney-esque app mm -hmm. will look a little less purple and allow you to kind of uh, you know use a multitude of colors uh, to make it seem like it's you know a little bit more vibrant and not just the branding that Microsoft has. Uh, you'll be able to kind of push your own branding. Eventually, they're saying down the line. So uh, if you have any kind of uh, business-oriented colors. Like we said, you'll be able to kind of establish those through theming. So if your business colors are blue and gray, uh, you'll be able to kind of tailor tailor this app towards that and make it make it your own a little bit instead of just the uh, white and purple or the black and purple for Microsoft. The last bit that they have that they want to kind of emphasize uh, that we'll talk about is that they're going to be bringing AI to it. Now, I haven't noticed any of it in actual use, but I'm assuming to do with Copilot. Uh, down down the line or something like that. But have you noticed any AI so far in it? Not yet. And that's something I've actually really been looking for. And I've not, you know, while we're on the topic, I've not noticed any, a whole lot of AI in the loop yet either. I, um, I'm hoping we get that soon. I've not noticed, like you said, I've not noticed anything or anything saying, hey, you know, how about making this decision? Or, hey, I took care of this for you. Not yet, but hopefully soon. Yeah, and for those of you who are going to like scream out of your minds or chew our heads off, we understand that the auto prompt filling out a sentence is there and that's considered AI, but we're talking more along the lines of, hey, you know, I I was left out of a meeting for whatever reason and the people that were in the meeting had a bunch of notes, they had a presentation, a slide presentation, and they did a bunch of other things and I'm now jumping into that conversation and getting filled in through AI. AI will give me the uh, TLDR of, of the whole conversation and things I need to kind of highlight before I even have to go through the entire conversation up and down and watch videos and things like that. So that's kind of what Microsoft's proposing. Like you said, we'll wait to see it. Uh, it should be coming out in general availability later this year for everyone. Uh, I'm assuming they're going to be opening up more uh, preview uh, uh, spots for people to test out. Uh, and for those of you who don't want any of this mess and you just want things to kind of be what they are, there's always a classic uh, toggle. So just like we had with the Outlook beta, if you go to the top left corner uh, of your teams, you'll notice that there is a toggle. For those of you like myself who didn't even know how to get into the preview, also look for that toggle because that will toggle you into the preview. With that being said, you can also toggle yourself in and out because like uh, I believe it was you that was a part of our group that noticed. Yes. Correct. There was some bugs, and uh, it's not perfect, guys. So you can use that toggle to toggle yourself in and out. Just make sure when you're toggling, you're by yourself for all kinds of reasons. <laughs> um, let's get into our headlines. Uh, what would you like to start off with? Well, let, let's kind of jump on the argument bandwagon a little bit. It seems like Microsoft and Google are still upset with each other. Google isn't happy with the recent changes Microsoft made for European cloud vendors. A recent Reuters report took a look at Google's stance, which includes comments from, guess who? Google Cloud President Amit, let's see, it's Amit Zavery. I hope I'm saying that correct. The news comes just days after a Reuters report that Microsoft had offered to change some of its cloud practices to try to appease some of these issues. Now, the thing is, Google is saying 
Microsoft is cherry picking maybe some of the smaller providers and possibly even buying up some of the small providers instead of making these deals that he claims Microsoft may be using available to everybody. So what does this mean? It means, you know, Xavier saying that the cloud is meant to be for everybody. It's meant to be competitive. It's meant to be accessible that, hey, Microsoft is cheating the system. They're not really making any changes at all necessarily to say, hey, we're going to be more friendly to our EU partners. They're cherry picking what they want. And he's very unhappy about it. So these changes were initially in October of 2022. And so far, the EU has yet to make any comments, but there is Microsoft still faces an antitrust complaint from, I'm going to call it CISP, whose, whose members include Amazon. And remember, Amazon Web Services is out there with their own cloud offering. So, you know, Microsoft may have dug themselves a hole in this one if anybody can actually prove that they are cherry picking what's going on there. Yeah, it would be interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, I'm going to go through something a little bit more technical uh, for those of okay. you who use Excel, which is all of us, I assume, to some degree. Um, Excel has now, uh, like I said, shipped some new features in March. Let's do a quick rundown of those. Uh, Excel for the web has now gained a new check performance feature, which allows uh, the application to, and this is for the web, uh, sort out and find uh, unformatted cells that you may want to just get rid of, things that, you know, extra cells that are uh, off or the bottom of your sheets um, and you could you know find those and get rid of them to just clean up the way your presentations are uh, if you're using Excel. The next thing we have uh, I believe is no longer need to uh, seek assistance from external sources whenever they're needed with helping writing formulas because here we go dun, 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 AI has actually been uh, implemented in uh, Excel to a certain degree. I'm not sure that this is uh, co-pilot so to speak but this is called uh, formula argument assistance assistance uh you can confidently write formulas without having to worry about them being because uh with this uh, you'll be able to kind of get some highlighted features about what's uh kind of misspelled or what what doesn't add up things like that so uh, go ahead and write your formulas uh and and this will help you kind of uh, give you some suggestions on, oh, were you meaning to do this kind of uh, functionality with it? Uh, another thing that we have is Microsoft has incorporated drag and drop in the queries pane into Microsoft Excel. I believe this is in just the application. I'm not in the web just yet. Uh, the additional will make it easier for users to organize queries well, by either moving them between folders or sorting them out. It's a cool new feature. Uh, Excel for Windows. So this is also just for the uh, dedicated app is making Excel uh, wouldn't safer by adding an extra layer of protection to sheets with the new uh, block and trusted uh, XLL add-ins. Uh, they're designed to protect you from attacks through XX, X, I mean XLL add-ins um, because that's you know pretty much how attackers kind of do you know leverage this when you go to do something they have this little pop-up thing saying like hey you know enable this. Well, Microsoft will now have a little pop of its own saying don't enable that. We don't trust it. And finally, both Excel for Windows and Excel for Mac uh, users can now delegate duties within Microsoft Excel and Word 
a little bit more easily using the new assign a task with at mention. So I can give uh, David uh, something, you know, in my Excel workbook, be like, hey, can you please finish doing this? Please finish the formula that please finish adding these numbers up. Uh, we can do that uh, within this. Uh, and what's more, the users will get an email notification immediately after the task is assigned to them. So he won't have to necessarily keep checking the Excel doc to be like, okay, did this task finally get assigned? He'll get an email notification saying, all right, go in there and finish doing what you need to do so we can ship it out me too. Uh, those are some of the features that came in uh, March. Um, I believe there are a couple more that I didn't list, but they didn't seem too big. But if you are a fan of everything Excel, you can also head to Microsoft's uh, 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 app log page to find everything that kind of happens uh, March. What else you got for us? Let's see. Let's jump on to a little while we're on the uh, quote business side of things. Let's jump on down to a little bit of um, guess what, folks. Bing chat improvements. Microsoft has been conducting a quote unquote discrete trial. This is their words, not mine. Implementing a higher daily limit for chat terms for chat turns and per session turn limits in Bing chat. The recent announcement has made the development official. The last update implemented resulted in we're now up that we were up to 150 what Microsoft calls turns in Bing chat. Now we're up to 200 turns and we do have the ability to view Bing chat history. I'm a fan of the history part. I mean, especially if you're having a, you know, my team and I, we have used chat GPT and Bing chat to do some building for some side projects. I don't want to call these personal discussions, but it almost feels like sometimes these things are good enough that you're having personal discussions with them. So it's nice to be able to at least pull up your history and go, hey, what did I ask it yesterday? What did I ask it two questions ago? What did I ask it five questions ago? Because remember, you get to take so many turns and you kind of have to recontext what you're doing and start back over in a sense with Bing Chat. So it's good to be able to have the history there so you can have some idea of what it's already answered and how it provided that answer to you. Great, that's awesome, good to hear. I'm gonna throw a big fat raw onion in the middle of our sandwich with E3 won't be taking place after all this oh. year. I know uh, those, are, I know, I know. Uh, I know those of us who are excited about gaming, uh, we're gonna kind of, you know, turn the clock back to, you know, 2019 where things were, you know, they weren't in the best shape for E3, but you know, it was still buzzing, you know, Sony had just stepped out, but, and Nintendo uh, wasn't there, but they were still having off-site meetings and Microsoft made a big splash, but unfortunately it looks like the event has been canceled, officially been canceled. Uh, this comes after multiple big players in the gaming industry like Nintendo, Microsoft, and Ubisoft, I believe was last week or this week, announced that they would be pulling out as well. This might've been the nail in the coffee with Ubisoft uh, jumping out. Uh, the event was set to make a comeback, uh, an in-person event in Los Angeles uh, for June 13th through the 16th, kind of like normally when it is, but admittedly E3 has been through uh, in a couple of rough patches over the past. Uh, like I said, it was kind of the beginning of the end when Nintendo decided, uh, surprisingly, Nintendo, the third leg of all the, the gaming industry, uh, decided to step out because it showed that, you know, uh, these publishers could get their own audiences online. The uh, pandemic accelerated that when Microsoft Sony decided to host their own competing events outside of the E3 window. Even, you know, if say they had held them in June, 
people would expect gaming in June, but now they're holding them, you know, in February, they're holding them in November, they're holding them whenever they want to. Uh, so for, uh, I believe it's Repop, which is the uh, the owner of the E3 event to kind of, you know, get people to try and come back to these. Now, I know it's more than just the trailers that we see. I know it's a whole swag event for people. It's for a bunch of people. It's different things for publishers as well. Uh, so maybe we'll start to see uh, more or smaller dedicated venues for stuff like that. But unfortunately, this year we will not be having E3. We'll see what happens next year. You know, we talked about this several podcasts to go it might even have been the end of 2022 when we first heard the rumor that there might not be an e3 and we talked about there being you know the possibility of smaller venues like maybe nintendo does something for their fans ubisoft does something for their fans and i get from a corporate point of view why that makes perfect sense to do such a thing but i feel like also that like you said, swag is what brought this to my attention. The gamers are really missing out because we download titles now. We don't go to GameStop and stand in line at tw- you know, and wait till midnight to pick up our games and get the free posters. We're just clicking the download button. So I feel like the whole community feel, unless you're a streamer, of course, and even that's not the same, the whole community feel the contact with our game makers and the folks in the gaming industry we've kind of lost that element and i'm a little you know for now sure we're not having e3 this year but where do we stand in two years i feel like there's a there's a feeling and there's a vibe that has disappeared or is disappearing with gaming and the connection between players and publishers and I think we need to do something there. I'm not sure what the answer is, but I think we need to do something. Uh, we're going to have to figure it out. Uh, we'll see if there's some kind of platform that Microsoft or any of these bigger companies develops that allows that kind of sort of contact. I know there's Twitch out there, things like that, but I'm talking something on the more uh, B2B, so to speak, for for businesses and, and people to kind of talk to each other you know, more directly as they would have at conferences. But uh, with that being said, what's our next headline? I've got a gaming headline here for us. Guess what? We can't go a week without Hopefully leaving Microsoft. <laughs> yeah, we can. Well, it depends on your viewpoint. We can't go a week without leaving Activision and Microsoft out of the news. And well, let's throw a little Sony into it. Um, Activision Blizzard CEO Bobby Kotek has spoke up and he has basically slammed Sony for what he calls disappointing behavior in a recent company-wide email where he basically sent something out and wanted to update his employees on what was going on with the with the merger. Kotek also said Activision would not allow said behavior from Sony to affect the long-term relationship. So basically what we've got going on here is the behaviors like this. Sony doesn't want a Call of Duty deal. They have made that perfectly clear, and basically they've said, look, we just want to block your darn merger. That's it. That's all we want. We just don't want the merger. You know, forget everything else. So when you do that, and when you speak up in corporate America, guess what? That kind of gets the government's attention. So 
we've kind of got the attention of some congressmen here who are getting together to start diving into this style of relationship here because remember sony is a japanese-based company where microsoft has had trouble penetrating to you know penetrating the market over there to get more xbox content over there now they it was said that microsoft has sold roughly 250,000 xboxes or xbox series s xbox series s over there this time around and you know that doesn't seem like a whole lot but from from reports that's quite a few so maybe microsoft is making some strides over there now you know come on sony you know are you going to be the ones to hold this up or are you going to be kind of the bad apple in the bunch microsoft is out there you know fighting the eu they have fought you know they're fighting the federal trade administration over here or the federal trade commission excuse me over here in the united states you know come on sony at least play a little bit nice a little bit can we do that uh that'll be a big fat no from sony and I, yep that's a no i just heard from them that's a big no sorry <laughs> but uh with that being said i'm going to move on to uh something all of you who have probably you know labored through this podcast to hear windows 12 talk uh, and this is more specifically about windows core uh, microsoft has used you know they Pandora, uh, some other things. They had Windows uh, 10s, which were supposed to be these modular versions of Windows, where they only take parts of the code and apply it to specific hardware, so that it's supposed to be fast. All they're like, wait, we've heard this, you know, plea and thesis for years, and it, you know, every time they do it, they say it's about 10 or 15 percent smaller than the last time, but it's still a big, bloated, 40-year-old brain system underneath everything. Once you look at the spaghetti code. So, but it looks like our friend over at Windows Central, Zach Bowden, is once again rehashing the core PC idea because Microsoft is playing with something called Project, or at least dubbed, Core PC. They're just keeping it basic. No fancy names. They're going straight to the point. Now, the difference between uh, Project Midori and Core PC is that... Um, not all Windows PCs need a full breadth of legacy Windows 32 app support, and Core PC will allow Microsoft to configure editions of Windows with varying levels of features and app compatibility. Compatibility. Um, the big change with it is that uh, the, versions, uh, the shipping versions that have Core PC will be in a, se a state separated, just like Windows Core OS. State separated uh, state separation enables faster updates and more secure platform via read-only partitions that are inaccessible to the user and third-party apps, just like iOS and Android. So there's you know there's still stuff in the back. The, the apps that will be plugging into these can't see them, uh, which will help them, you know, not fumble their way through trying to get to the actual things you're trying to open up. Now, Bowden reports that a version of Windows running only Edge, Web, uh, and Android apps and Office apps are planning to compete with Chromebook, which, again, this is a thing that's always been, you know, kind of Microsoft stream. But at least this version of it, will, the Microsoft is saying 67% smaller than Windows 11 SC, which was, I believe, the latest attempt. Which is, you know, and this is already being done in internal testing, which is huge if you're smaller than the smallest version of what Windows thought it could be. Uh, the other part about Windows 12, aside from these, you know, uh, versions, which I believe takes you back to Windows, uh, uh, what was it, CM or whatever, whatever CE was, uh, the very small ones that they, you know, just make yeah, Windows it was for, Windows you know, yeah, where you use it for bank, uh, what was it, uh, ATMs and, you know, uh, point-of-sale devices, things like that. 
Uh, the other thing that we should expect from Windows 12 is AI. Microsoft, uh, Sachin mentioned it about two years ago, start saying that we're going to be safe. Panos Panay really pumped up about it for the last year and a half. Uh, and what we can expect to see with that is that uh, we'll be getting prompts, prompts left and right, uh, you know, to whoever builds, you know, prompts are too, mid, too much, too little, that's up to you to decide, but prompts uh, for things to do when apps are being viewed or about to be viewed or have been viewed in a workflow. So if you are a person who always opens up your uh, laptop, you open up Outlook, you start triaging, uh, next to that, you open up the web, uh, there'll be prompts for you to uh, maybe uh, go to directly to your unread uh, or go directly to the websites that you want. Maybe there'll be a, 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 a summarized version of, of the uh, websites that you visit a lot. At least these are some of the things that have been kind of talked about as far as the AI infusion of Windows 12. Uh, let's see, some AI features developed include the, and this is according to Microsoft, the ability uh, to analyze content on display and provide contextual prompts to jumpstart projects or apps based on the information that's currently being viewed. Windows may also be able to identify objects and text within images and allow the user to easily cut out and paste those uh, items elsewhere. You know, if you're doing something with a PowerPoint or if you need just a quick screenshot to show the, uh, you know, uh, uh, what do you call them? The, uh, uh, marketing team, things like that, you'll be able to do that as well. Uh, so this is just kind of what we know so far about Windows 12 is that it's going for modularity um, and you put this new core OS version, which is supposed to be very small and we'll be seeing uh, more and more AI. Uh, as to when we'll be seeing this stuff, uh, we're presuming uh, in the next uh, five or six months as they kind of get ready to roll out Windows 12, I believe in 2024. Uh, that brings us to, I believe that's the end of our show, right? That's the last headline. I think that's everything. All right. Well, what do you think about Windows 12 before we leave? What are your hopes and as long as, aspirations? You know, you know, you know, part of what you mentioned there with Windows C and having the core version brought back something that I'm just going to put in our viewers' minds and let them think about it. Windows RT. <laughs> I don't. I, I I hope we don't go back to the stripped down version where you've, you know, you're basically locked into what you can do with it. As long as Microsoft leaves that fairly open, I think we're good. And as far as Windows 12 and AI, you know, I gotta be thoughtful though for the Windows RT thing though. I feel like Windows RT was the worst of both worlds. I am all in if Microsoft stripped down a version of Windows. That will not be the version I buy, but I am all for it if I can give it to my mom and say, hey, you don't have to worry about uh, the way things are updated. You don't have to worry about drivers. You don't have to worry about uh, updates. Like, that I totally agree with. I think, uh, like we said, Windows RT was kind of like, here's all the stuff you shouldn't have to worry about up front, but underneath it, you still sort of have to worry about it. If they're going to say, hey, this is Windows RT part two, and there is in the uh, desktop OS side, sell it to people. And if they're saying, here is the version that, you know, people like you and me can play around with, and there's another version for power users who do things beyond what we do, I'm all for that. You know, when I first read this, I was saying, you know, and I'm going to use that word that you have shunned against on a few podcasts here. I'm thinking a Windows version of a Chromebook. You know, it, it, I mean, it's kind of, yeah, it, it, it it's kind of what crosses my mind is the Windows version of a Chromebook, like you said, something to give a parent, a grandparent, even a kid, even a school age kid, you know, and I know Microsoft has their stripped down versions in the educational 
program, but I'm talking something like you could go to a Best Buy, to even a Walmart, you know, where everybody shops and, you know, you could, you could pick this device up for grandma, for, for the kids, just for a basic get online, because that kind of ties into, you know, Windows 12 and AI. I think that's the one negative thing that I have toward Windows 12 right now is I'm concerned about where privacy is going to go with this whole AI thing, whether it's Microsoft, whether it's Google, whether it's Adobe with Adobe Firefly, whatever. I'm concerned with where the privacy is going to be and how intrusive is it going to be? Because, you know, we already see advertisements during some team meetings going, hey, you're in this meeting, but did you know you could be doing this right now with OneDrive? You know, and, and it tends to throw those things in there once in a while. And, you know, as long as we have users have complete control, I think of, hey, AI is out here. How much help do you want? How little help do you want? I'm looking forward to seeing it baked into an operating system because that's only going to increase competition. Google's going to do something. Google's going to, as we're talking about when they strip down version of Windows, Google's going to put that in Chrome OS. You know, and I've already seen a report for those, you know, that keep up with both sides of things that Google is already playing with ways to put BARD in a Chromebook. So it's coming. Oh, yeah. It sounds like you wrote opening statement through the Italy regulators who I believe just banned ChatGPT uh, about 48 hours ago. And they're thinking about opening up an investigation and open AI and see what are privacy violations they've already committed. So you are right in sync with them. Uh, we'll see how that plays out. We'll see how uh, your predictions come about. Uh, but I mean, we're not going to find out today. We're going to let everyone go about their day uh, because I have a weed whacker finding who wants to just make noise. So uh, I want to thank everybody for joining us for another uh, podcast. I hope it was entertaining and we see you again next week. Uh, where can people find you? David PAJ1978. Always hanging out on Twitter, folks. It's always in a window over there. So drop by and say hello. As you can tell, man loves to talk of talk. Uh, you can find me at Mindhead1 uh, on Twitter. I don't talk as much, but I when I do, I love to talk to people. So uh, with that being said, have a great weekend. Go find someone to talk to. Enjoy your day.